And welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined from Japan by NCR's Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent Tamani Carroll, who is on assignment for us. Not for us, actually, but you know, he's in he's at the Olympics in Tokyo. How are you doing, Tamani? Good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing well. It's it's been an intense week, but I'm still alive, so that's the main thing. You've done a lot of big event coverage before with Grand Slams. How does the, and on paper, maybe some people think this could be similar. I mean, they're both like sort of roughly two week assignments, uh, long days at both, but how do the two experiences compare for you? What's it been like covering your first Olympics? It's funny because like obvious people who had been covering Olympics, I've spoken to who've done this like many times, like they kept on checking on me if I hadn't already like collapsed or something. And I was trying to explain that actually covering slams is kind of like a, a helpful stepping stone towards it because I mean as you said like it's intense two weeks and particular yeah. people who, who are there like you know when you're on site the whole time which not everyone like some people you know aren't but when that that can be really intense like you know there, there's been some crazy days at slams I remember well, I'm going with Natanja but I remember one day where at the Australian Open I, I left at like 9am while everyone was coming in had like I have an done hour. that I have definitely <laughs> left in the morning yeah. at Australian Open for sure <laughs> while everyone's coming into the tournament for a new day and had yeah. like an hour sleep and then came back so like you know in, in that sense I'm, I felt like this wasn't like a foreign ex- experience but like just uh, kind of around the clock you know since I've got on here really the, the, the main difference is just like doing multi- multiple sports so, so I've yeah. been and trying to like just juggle those in your head because like, you know, if if you go to a, a tennis tournament and you know that I don't know, Serena's playing at five p.m. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, whoever's playing, I know you, you're even even while other things are going on, you can kind of just prepare, you know, as much as you want and and be focused on the, this one sport. Whereas it's a lot when there are numerous involved. Like the main things, the main sports I've been covering so far are um, gymnastics. That's been yeah. number one. Honestly, tennis has kind of been so. So, so and, and then I've also been doing tennis. Um, tennis is in Ariaki, what well, it's called Ariaki Tennis Park, the Ariaki Coliseum, which is it's nice to actually go and see an event that you know watched on TV for like I know, yeah, you know, fifteen years. And I didn't, I don't know if you know this, but it's so big. Like the the grounds are just huge. Hmm. Um, so, which is like eerie when there's no fans because you're like, it takes like five five minutes at least to like walk from like the center court to the other courts. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I've been primarily gymnastics and they're right next, very near to each other. It's like a seven minute walk. So um, I've been, yeah. So it's just weird like to be, initially I was like trying to do both and like covering 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 it like being at the tennis then going to the gymnastics and then like trying to finish my tennis piece while the gymnastics is going on and that was just oh my god <laughs> never do that that's a really bad idea just curious how you decide what to cover each day like if you're sort of allowed to sort of float i know some people are sent to the olympics to be floaters i know certainly american papers yeah. it's like hey go and see what inspires you or what connects with you or whatever like is that your assignment or are you more specifically i know you obviously gymnastics is a is a favorite of yours for a long time and yeah. tennis you've done so much of so um were those sort of your beats 
beforehand yeah, that you're yeah. stuck to, or are you also allowed to sort of say like, oh wow, I'm really into this archer? I, I think I'll, I'll float more in in the second week when when both mm-hmm. are finished. Like tennis is obviously finished now, and gymnastics will be in a few days. So, but when but because like I mean I'm I, my gymnastics knowledge is hard is like I I just know a bit more. I know a, a, a fair bit about it, which is more than every like. I mean, so most people, you know, because it's not a, a popular sport. Yeah. So yeah, that, that that's been like my main thing, and that's been really fun actually. Um, and then just because I, I don't think I'd, I would do much tennis if it wasn't like so close. And yeah, and I've also my, my one like float floaty moment was was when <laughs> was when was actually with the so there are quite a few stadiums that are, are nearby in Ariaki. It's kind of funny that they've like built everything around the tennis, but like the mm. train station mm. there is the Ariaki tennis train station. Mm. Um, but like, uh, there's also a BMX like stadium mm. near there. Well, actually, it's like action sports, so like BMX, skateboarding, things like that. And so one day, like, there's this um, BMX guy called Ryder called Kai White, who is from like South London in Peckham, near, near where I'm from, and like he's had a nice story you know it's like a not 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 an affluent area at all like and mm-hmm. all of that stuff so I w- went like I was talking to my editor and just like went there just to see like what was going on and then next thing you know I'm watching hit he went silver two minutes mm-hmm. two minutes that he's standing by and, and like screaming at the race as another British woman wins gold I'd never I hadn't I'd never even read her name in my life to be honest but I watched her just like dominate all three semi-finals and then win gold and suddenly it's like oh this is the big bigger story of the day and so that, that's that's I think that's like uh, like at least from what I was speaking with other people that's like a very Olympic experience where you know you don't necessarily you know a lot of these sports are not sports that get a huge coverage yeah. in regular times but you can go you can be at somewhere and just see something that you just weren't expecting which is which is very cool yeah and the event makes it a story i mean every time you know if someone wins a gold medal that's significant you know like, yeah. it's like it's like every day sort of like a grand slam final almost yeah. in terms of it having that sort of a war that sort of finality that sort of uh crowning coronation moment all the time yeah. all around you in different sorts of ways so that has to be yeah i've, I've done one olympics i did sochi in 2014 the winter olympics there um, and was doing hockey pretty specifically, which was a two-week event. So yeah. um, didn't float as much in terms of writing or anything. But yeah, definitely get, get the sense of getting getting caught up in other events and seeing how people go about it and the lifestyle and stuff. So I think it's I think it's cool. I'm curious, I guess, how different um, from that sort of way. How well I think a bunch of different questions for you, but like, how does how different does tennis feel from other sports? You get to see tennis basically lined up essentially kind of side by side running parallel to all sorts of other sports and other different sports organizations and cultures and philosophies and gestalts and whatever other words you want to say um what how does it how, how does tennis look in comparison to that in this sort of lineup how does it make you feel about tennis to keep I mean, it more specific to this show this is very obvious but it's long i mean you know I, partly because obviously they moved it um moved the to a, a 3 p.m. start, but I was sitting in, during the, I didn't, I wasn't at the men's, but the women's um, gold medal match, which the, the trophy ceremony was at like midnight. How many other sports have midnight um, medal ceremonies? <laughs> this was this was one of my main takes, and obviously this is not what you said exactly, but like with, um, in, in Rio, 
the gold medal match between men's medal medal match between Murray and Del Potro was best of five. It lasted only four sets out of the five, but it was four incredibly long sets. And I think we were in Cincinnati together actually when it was happening. And I remember looking up afterwards um, at all the Olympic events, like seeing like if how many events were longer than this, like four hours and change match in terms of medal events and answer is almost nothing. It's basically like some sort of like bike road race or something. And maybe like the longest like endurance uh, sport. And I I think that's something, you know, and even the best of three, like three is like you're saying, like that was a relatively long match. Von Joshua, Benchish women's final, like tennis is long compared to so many sports. Tennis takes a long time. And I think that's something people in this sport should be cognizant of. Yeah. And and both long in terms of the length of matches, even though I'll I'll say I'm, I, I don't, hate best of five i know but, I know. but also um in terms of just like the amount of you know of it, like so there are long days in in, in like new, numerous other sports kind of but tennis is just you know the first the first like four days are just full you know just morning to night and it never it feels like it until it's over it just never really stops there's just so much to consume and you know so it's been just comparing that with like say bmx which i knew nothing about watch you know that watch what like eight races in about two hours and i finished it it was you know it was just an easy viewing experience and i finished it thinking oh this is a sport i really like it's very you know there's a lot of sports that are kind of easier to consume but just following tennis just takes so much effort um i'd also say that you know <laughs> it's also in my mind partly because i mean it's, it's already been a, a long spring summer with french open and wimbledon that <laughs> I'm just not really that, you know, tennis isn't high on my list of no. priorities, but it's also clearly not high in the list of Olympic priorities. The, the press room was, you know, it, it was decently pop- populated and particularly when like towards the end when it was it was clear who was playing well. So the, the national media um, from the players, like the Swiss media and for Benchich and whatever, they all came over to, to check out the final rounds. But it's also clearly not a priority. Um, to say that there's, there's not many, haven't there isn't many tennis media actually. Seen Quinta, friend of the podcast, I'm sure, who, who, who's a, a couple of others. Wait, sorry, who'd you say? What name did you say? Quinta from. Oh, Quentin. Uh, oh, Quentin. Yeah, yeah, my my friend, my friend. <laughs> Forget my friend. Of Lakeith, yeah, he's there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and a, a, a couple, couple uh, uh, Elena Crooks, mm-hmm. a couple of a couple of people. But just really not many. There's there's quite a few Ubaldos there. Um, okay. For Serbian media or for Italian this time? For Italian, there, there, there's okay. quite, quite a few Ubi tennis people there. Um, ah. Huh. Wow. But, um, yeah. So it's been cool. Yeah. So it's been tennis is just not. You know. It. I, it's I, as, I, as we all know. You know. I gotta say, if I was if I was covering if I was gonna go to a covering Olympics, tennis would not be a summer Olympics. Tennis would not be what would attract me. Like the tournament, just we have tennis tournaments all the time, and especially coming right at the heels of two Grand Slams pretty close together. Like I just I don't know. I I feel like the Olympic tennis doesn't with the format of it doesn't do that much to distinguish itself and make itself like. Um, I, I wish it was like a team event, some sort of like world team tennis type event, something mixed, something that was yeah. you know unique to it. I think could really benefit. And I would actually just love for tennis to do that, become a two week event, have one week of team and one week of individual, sort of like yeah. the NCAA's does uh, in American yeah. college tennis. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'd say like the, that. That one thing I have enjoyed was the, the mixed doubles and like yeah, Pavlyuchenko were just owning everyone. <laughs> I loved I loved hearing uh, Elena. I don't know if you saw Vesnina after playing Djokovic and Stojanovic. They were like they they initially were aiming at Stojanovic because of course he would, and then they realized oh the world number one, the best player, possibly the best player of all time was the weaker link. So let's all aim at him, <laughs> which is just I love mixed doubles for reasons like that. Let's get right into him. Let's get right into Novak Djokovic, who the world took aim at this week. Not just Vesnita and Karatsev, but the whole world <laughs> piling on to old Novak Djokovic uh, and gaining more sympathy than ever from the sort of tennis Twitter world for how he's being portrayed and yeah. misconstrued and I think pretty pretty bad, bad uh, faithfully torn down. In a lot I, of ways. Yeah. So just on that before we get into that, I do enjoy the fact that like tennis Twitter is a mess and everyone's always arguing and, and hating on everyone. But the one thing that people band together, whether it's Djokovic or, or Serena or this or that, is, is when like locals locals from, yeah. like, come in and just like spread mis- misinformation that just clearly is just completely wrong. Like every, every, I feel like it's the sense that like we can hate, you know, we can have our, our arguments but you know stay away which i don't know i, I enjoy it because it's it, so much you know it's to- it's it's unique i mean and this really was one of the greatest cases i've ever seen Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic, we thought was was on track to win a potential golden slam i, I you know did polls a couple times after wimbledon do you think he'll do it most people probably like in the 60 percent, low 60 percent, said yes they thought he would pull it off that's not happening now uh, he lost in the semifinals of the men's singles and then the same day, he lost in the semifinals of the mixed doubles. And the next day, he loses in the bronze medal match uh, of the men's singles and then pulls out of the bronze medal match of the mixed doubles. Four, three of the worst, like, or got to be three of the toughest losses of his career, all coming in, like, a less than 36-hour window for him. I mean, this was a brutal tournament for Djokovic. He pulls out of the mixed. We can talk about all of that. But I guess what is your, what is your thought on on what happened to Novak here. Cause he was really, you know, pretty much cruising through the first, uh, what, four and a half rounds of this tournament. He was doing well. He was up a set and a break six, one, three, two in yeah. the semifinal before losing eight straight games. And, and then the wheels just came off and we saw this, you know, we've seen this with a few players. I think it's one of the stats I found, which I thought was interesting. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe it's not, is that all of the big three um, have come in fourth of the Olympics. They've all done it. Uh, yeah. And Djokovic had done it twice. And I maybe just something about um, being so good makes you ill-prepared for bronze competition. Or, like, you just hard, have time settling for that. And maybe the other person sees it as a real... Obviously, Karina Busto, who I want to talk about also, um, sees it as a real opportunity. But, yeah, this was this was got to be one of the toughest, if not the toughest, tournament of Novak Djokovic's life. Yeah, just in, just in terms of, like, yeah, as you kind of, like, said... He was on a 22 match winning streak, and then he loses three slash four matches with the walkover in 24 hours, which is crazy. And, and, he, and he lost yeah. eight. I think I don't know if I said this already, but sorry, I'll let you finish. But he lost eight games in a row from yeah, yeah. six one three two up, then loses eight games in a row. Just the wheels come off immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I, I do like you know he, he said that he had he had injury issues and that he was physically bad, and I I I, I do think. You know, people, as always, whenever injury is mentioned, people are skeptical. But I, I do believe him. I thought, like, after his he, he gave his mix zone, um, he walked away and, and he was, like, kind of limping. And, like, you could see he was wincing. I don't know if that, you know, 
I don't know, maybe it was just, it could have just been tiredness, but I mean, this has been a long stretch for them, you know, from winning French Open, you know, I mean, even before that, Rome, Belgrade, yeah. French Open, you know, one, like one week rest and then in, you know, Mallorca, Wimbledon, and then, yeah, so like it's, <laughs> it's objectively been a very grueling period. Um, so I don't know, my sense is that, you know, he just, against Zverev, and I, again, I, I was at the gymnastics, so I, I only saw the second part when he was just like in just, just crumbling. So, but my sense was that he possibly just hit a wall, whether it's physically or mentally, and just it was one that he couldn't overcome, and and that obviously made him upset. And 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 as we you know we kind of saw that play out, which is uh, fine. Uh, uh, so yeah, but yeah, it, it, is, it is extremely tough for him. And and I, I agree. With, I agree. Sorry, I'll just I say I agree with you in terms of like the fourth place. These guys are fighting for the biggest titles in the world, and you know recalibrate. You know. All of the, the the lower ranked players absolutely can like re recalibrate and say this if, if I finish with this bronze medal it will still be a, a huge achievement for me. But when when you've spent your entire career with the attitude that like the title is what matters, that's a bit of a different yeah. you know that's more of a stretch. It would just feel kind of weird seeing Djokovic with a bronze medal. You know, and like cry and like and like crying. <laughs> can you imagine? Like, it, I don't know. He's won bronze he won, before, but I but I do want to tell. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just yeah, I was gonna say he won bronze, but yeah, in two thousand eight. Exactly, that that was when he was had one slam. So now it's a whole different thing. But go, Com go. completely no. But I I do want to talk about Kurnia, Paulo Kurnia Busta, um, who is the sixth seed here, which shows how many players pulled out, who had a fairly tough draw: Sangren, Chilich, Kupfer. And then he beats uh, Medvedev in one of the. That was one. Of, there was a couple of days where I, I was. I wasn't honestly staying awake for the tennis most nights. Once, especially once I moved it later, it was just not a tournament that I was. You know, Washington's coming up. I have family in town and stuff. Like it was just not. I was not getting myself fully on Tokyo time for this tournament. So I was playing a lot of catch up. But there was a couple of days where I looked at the results and I was like, "Whoa!" And the, one of the biggest ones was Cranio Busta beating Medvedev. It's not a result I would have seen coming at all, honestly. Um, Medvedev had just looked sharp, and I think he was just a better player. Uh, than Crania Busta and Crania Busta played great, beat him two and six, and then loses to Hachinov and then comes back and plays really well against Djokovic. Does not get broken against Djokovic. This is Crania Busta we're talking about against the best returner of all time. People say in Djokovic, and obviously Djokovic is not mentally all there, physically maybe not all there as well. Um, but I was super super impressed by him and his emotion after winning. You could see on the videos. I think it's since been yanked down by the very aggressive Olympic copyright people. But seeing what this meant to Karina Busa again made me think like, wow, I don't know why people skip the Olympics when like this is like this is you know the top line of his resume now, and he's somebody who's made two Grand Slam semifinals, Karina Busa. But I think also those tournaments completely pale in comparison to what he did here. I mean, like. I, people got mad at me. People meaning Ryan Harrison got mad at me uh, last year during the U S open when I was so, sort of talking about how sort of out of nowhere that 2017 semifinal for Crane Busta felt because it was, I mean, he played, I think four qualifiers on route and then like number 29 shorts or something in the quarters he made that semi. So it was kind of out of nowhere and he lost to Anderson in a semi, one of the lower caliber sort of semifinals we've had on the immense tennis in a long time. And then, and then, yeah. And then the other one he got through, uh, largely after getting a walk, uh, sorry, a default from Djokovic, 
getting disqualified in the fourth round last year to make a second semifinal. Um, but I will say, I mean, I think Karina Busta in the way he plays and he's playing the best of his life. I think he's a legitimately uncomfortable matchup for Djokovic. You know, he was up a break six, five in the first of when Djokovic got defaulted. And I think there is something legitimately good in this matchup for Karina, interestingly. And, um, and he's a com- very comfortable hardcore player. And yeah, just what he did, I thought was really impressive. He's actually sort of the player I'm, uh, who I, I'm most struck by, uh, at this tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I I I like I've I've liked seeing um Karenia Buster's rise just because you know from a bigger picture, obviously there's there's always attention on on the people who follow Nadal and and, and he's in, in in Spanish tennis and, and until Alcaraz, you know there wasn't really anyone like yeah. that and and so he he was, you know I'm I'm sure people wanted more than than Karenia Buster who is. Kind of a, a solid top twenty player, who as well as who's had periods in his career in the top ten, and who would be like comfortably in the top ten if not for the ranking free. But he's like built a, a nice career for himself, and and as you said, like he's playing the best tennis of his career over the past year, and and uh, yeah, and again, also he is a very um, difficult a difficult matchup for Djokovic, particularly in this part of his career of Djokovic's career, because he just he he makes everything you know the the points you know. In, from when I started watching, again, I didn't watch all of it because I was at the gymnastics, but mm-hmm. it, it became really grueling in, by the end of the second set. And, and that's Djokovic isn't always as willing to go that full, commit to that level of, of grinding at this point in his career. But yeah, he, he did extremely well. And, and yeah, as he said, he, the, the bronze medal, he, he said in his interview that it was like the, the best title, something like it's the best title of his career and he didn't even win the title. Yeah. I do really enjoy it. Like I do like that it does mean something to a lot to, to players. And a lot of the players who do come who do fully buy into that this is the Olympics, that it's the biggest like sporting event in the world and that it means so much to so many more people than just like Grand Grand Sams, which, you know, in, in the largest scheme of things aren't just aren't nearly as big. So I like that. Oh, totally. I was gonna say, I think we got, I think we got a good deal of that in this Olympics, especially yeah. the bronze match, especially, I mean, two really, really unlikely bronze medal winners uh, in the doubles, in the same sex doubles, uh, with the women's team of uh, Stefani and Pagosi winning for Brazil. I can confidently say I had never said the name Pagosi before this Olympics. <laughs> I mean, it's really off radar, you know, pair who barely got into the Olympics and then to come through. Uh, with that means tons to them, and that's cool to see. And then, and that's going to make them big deals in in Brazil, um, a country that does have a lot of sort of latent love for for tennis. Yeah. And then also in the men's, the team from New Zealand yeah, winning yeah. the the bronze there, uh, Daniel and Venus, uh, the other Venus. So, well, <laughs> that's how someone said it. it's like you know Venus wins an Olympic medal for like the six Olympics in a row or something, and it's true. But uh, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it, it, that, those are moments that are that are cool cool to see, and those are sort of the things that are easy to sort of romanticize about the Olympics and tennis. Can't have those moments just like anybody else. Certainly Monica Puig and Nicholas Massu most famously, like you know, things can happen to change your career at the Olympics, and the Olympics has such immediate cachet that yeah. it it means something to people. I do. Yeah, I don't know. If you think, yeah, go ahead. Well, with, with the the women's doubles the bronze medal, like it's 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 also cool that the the fact that so many people withdrew actually became like 
positive feature in, in some way because mm-hmm. you know I mean it was the same with I mean numerous players like in Britain it was Liam Brody who just who made us who won got the best win of his life and made the third round which was really nice yeah. for him and with them like that so, so I'll just explain their, their story for people who don't know like they had put their names down you know Stefani is like I think the 23rd ranked doubles player um and and Papikosi is is far side of the top 100 in both and they put their name down for uh the, the to, to enter the women's doubles but they weren't really near and it was only until like I think it was like July 16th or something that they found that um I think it was Pigosi who found out that they had made it in and she'd like called Stefani and Stefani was sleeping so she had to like <laughs> wait like un- until Stefani like woke up to like ask her if she wanted to go to the Olympics. And then when she did, they were just like screaming all over the place. They went there like two days later and then they won a bronze medal. And like also this is, also, I guess it's also significant because obviously that, you know, the big, I think, issue with South American tennis is how how much it leans towards the men's tennis. And so yeah. for women's doubles players to get to come back with a bronze medal is, I think, I think that's just kind of huge for, how they you know their profile and, and how they can like hopefully you know use it to in, inspire more people to play tennis yeah growing the sport and becoming role models in the sport i mean pagosi yeah is ranked 328 in doubles and 183 in singles so she probably gotten in with her singles ranking which is again not a strong singles ranking and yeah. so that's a pretty pretty cool story for them as well um, what, I wanted to talk about the Djokovic. A couple, one unfinished thought on Djokovic before we move to other other draws um, is: Does this meaningfully dampen his New York outlook? What happened here? How much do you think he'll be able to sort of leave what happened in Tokyo? In Tokyo, it's a sort of different event. It's a sort of outlier event. Um, how much do you think this affects his Grand Slam bid? Now that the Golden Slam ended the way it did. I mean. He he was not like he he kind of wasn't said he was not sure how it would affect him physically, like because he was he said I mean I do think again I, I do think like he was like there were physical at least just tiredness I don't know but there were definitely physical issues he does say that a lot though you know we know how on over kids he'll say I'm not sure and that you know he'll say I'm not sure if I'm gonna play Wimbledon and then win it yeah, um, it did happen 2018 but uh, yeah so. I think that's something to look forward to. And certainly, like, just in terms of momentum, right, he won the French Open, Wimbledon, you know, everything was kind of just, you know, rushing forward. So, you know, as we saw actually with the US Open last year against Karine, when he lost to Karine, when he was defaulted, that, you know, <laughs> momentum can be kind of slowed down in a way. But no, I, I did, even if he did win, yes, he did, someone would say, yes, he did win Rome. Like immediately after, but um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd say something to, to. He's clearly still by far the best player in the world. There's still a month to go um, until the US Open. Well, is it a month? It's so either way, it's so close. Less than a month, um, yeah. Less yeah, <laughs> but I mean, there's still time for him to like take a, a week, like ten, well, some time off, and hopefully, and hopefully for himself, like recharge and, and be fresh enough. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like, I, I think he'll get, I do think he'll kind of 
get over it and understand that you know this isn't some you know so I thought when you were asking a question I thought you were going to say does this impact his like overlook outlook of his career and and my answer is no because I think the Olympics is a, is a nice bonus but uh, <laughs> so like I think yeah. he'll probably eventually like get over it and and just you know I think Olympics is in this I think it's in this lovely place where it's like only a bonus and like negative, never a negative. Like, I just don't yeah. think that like Federer and Djokovic's careers are meaningfully detracted from by them never winning singles gold. I don't think that's like a meaningful knock on those two just because it comes along so rarely. And like, and there's just, it's just not part of the rhythm of tennis. That said, it's completely a huge boost to Murray's, you know, legacy and legend that, he's, yeah. that he won back-to-back singles gold. And that is kind of his claim. And Venus Williams, like all the Olympic medals she's won, is a huge part of her stake uh, in the sport. And those, the, I think, yeah, I just have that sort of really sort of side disposition I, towards Olympics that way. I, I agree with that, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So there we go. Um, we've not really mentioned the gold medal winner, uh, Sasha Zverev, uh, who played very good tennis in the, in the last four sets of this tournament, uh, routing Djokovic in those final two sets winning i think like 12 of the uh, like 10 of the last 11 games in the semifinal against the world number one and then really pretty handily beating uh karen hatchinoff whose name i don't know who even said who won silver uh good tournament for the russians overall winning a bunch of medals um he played really well i don't have much else to say about him um another uncomfortable moment for us for tennis I was going to say our sport, which, which is a horrible well, thing. Okay, here's the, the thing. Way, but, here's yeah. the thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, here's the thing I'll say about this is that uh, the article, the first article I wrote about um, the accusations against him, uh, and you're, in your article, actually, your Guardian article that followed that uh, a week or so later um, about what's going on in London and sort of reaction and stuff like that, also gets shared a lot. I, I'm pretty sure that the article I, I wrote has been shared or tweeted out you know more times in the i don't know how many roughly like 16 hours since that match ended than it has in the you know like i don't know nine months before like it's this is really going to that gold medal will really reflect you know it will catch a lot of light and is this someone who should be excited to have a lot hotter spotlight on his life Zverev, and that's a fair question for people to ponder and see how that works out. Yeah. I don't know because yeah. I, I I think it, yeah, just like as much as you know, I have more reporting and stuff, whatever, still working on it, still have unfinished stuff to do, as I've alluded to many times. Um, I do think the gold medal is going to really change his profile in a way that changes the profile of the story, too. Yeah, and I'd say like the just the the reaction is from. Within tennis, it's just, you know, I don't know if you saw, but the, the dog tier actually um, posted on Instagram about, like, congratulating Zverev. And all of the comments were just like, why why are you, you know, they've de- I think they've, de- I'm looking now, I think they've deleted it. But all of the comments were like, why are you promoting an abuser? Like, mo- at least half of the comments were just that. And then you have, like, as people have pointed out, Labour Cup tweeting about um, Zverev when, mm-hmm. you know, the some of the kind of most disturbing kind of allegations were about um, Olya Sharipova said that she was, um, that she had attempted suicide during the Labour Cup and that, you know, so I don't know, it's, it's, uh, 
it should make everyone very uncomfortable. It want. should make everyone very uncomfortable, and I think it does does do that. Um, speaking of very different kinds of discomfort and conversations, a huge part of the conversation of the first weeks of first week of the Olympics was around athlete mental health and pressure and stepping back from stuff. In the U.S., this was predominated by the conversation around Simone Biles. Uh, the gymnast who pulled out uh, early into the team final uh, after doing one vault. Uh, she pulled out. She was huge, huge protagonist of the game, certainly the face of the games from the Team USA side of things, all over every endorsement. Also, commercial. also UK side of things, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I mean, she's obviously one of the most dominant athletes in the world in a fairly high-profile Olympic sport, at least as, you know, women's gymnastics is a sport that people really get into during the Olympics. Um the conversation, Biles, you know, I think people obviously should know by now, but just if you've been living under a sort of Olympic rock, Biles was saying that she just wasn't feeling mentally right. And obviously, and you can maybe go into this more, obviously being more on the gymnastics, wasn't feeling mentally right. And obviously, I think to almost everybody, if you're not feeling mentally right, the last thing you want to be doing is trying to jump off things and land after doing five flips in a row uh, safely. And she wasn't feeling safe. And so she pulled out. Uh, she wasn't feeling, you know, she, her air awareness, as they call it or something like that, was was not good. So she pulls out. And this sort of echoed conversations around uh, Naomi Osaka uh, pull out of the French Open, uh, citing sort of she Osaka was more about media type stuff is what she pointed to. Um, but still just sort of about, I think, pressure and readiness and sort of cumulative effect of these things. And I'm curious just for you, Tommy, Timani, what you think that Tommy Tumani, <laughs> what you think of, of, of how all this has been framed. I guess maybe if you want to put it in Osaka lens too. Osaka, if not mentioned yet, Osaka was uh, the cauldron lighter at the Olympics, uh, the final leg of the torch relay at the opening ceremonies. Huge moment for her, first tennis player ever picked for that honor. Uh, she played three matches, lost the third one to eventual silver medalist Marketa Mondrosheva. Uh, didn't play awful. I don't think I think Von Joshua played really well in that match. I know people feel differently. I thought that was really good from Von Joshua, mostly that match. Um, but I'm curious, yeah, what you think, how this conversation has been uh, on the ground in Tokyo around this. And if you do see these things as, as being parallel or, or not. I mean, I think there are some, there are definitely similarities. And, and Spouse herself actually, like, mentioned Osaka, you know, mm. so, so, so uh, to explain, like, what happened after the, she did that one vault, she, like, lost herself in the air. And did like one twist less than what she was aiming to do, which is very scary. Like it's it's a shock that she managed to like land on her feet and nothing crazy happened. And then afterwards, she like spoke in in the press in in the mix mix zone and then a press conference. And I mean, with gymnasts in general, they normally don't you know they're normally kind of told told by the people around them to not say much. There's a lot of like I want to hit four for four. And, and not much else, but she gave a really like frank and open and honest kind of press conference about like exactly how she was feeling and, you know, the kind of the mental, you know, mental impact that numerous things have had on her. And she mentioned, but um, she mentioned Osaka in it. Like, I think she was, I believe, I think she said she was watching, she watched the documentary and that, you know, mm. I don't know, it was obviously part of kind of the influence partly, you know, helped, I guess, by seeing how Osaka withdrew and stepped away. And I, I think it's good that people are, you know, understanding that that there is a lot of kind of 
there's a lot of pressure and stress and, and sometimes, you know, I do think like one thing, I, you know, in terms of like the Djokovic thing and, and how his pressure as a privileges thing was framed as like an attack on, I mean, it was attack on both of them. <laughs> was yeah. that like, I, I think it needs to be kind of made clear that like both Osaka and Biles have also been like incredible hand, handling pressure in, in their careers and, you know, have done like incredible things under, you know, you know, in those moments, but yeah. at times it is too much, and it, it's fine to step away. I, I do also think that in, just to go on more on bows that yeah. I'm sure you've seen all like the flurry of twisties articles that came up afterwards. But I think the main issue kind of got lost, which is that she literally cannot, like, she can't compete now. You know, she, I, from what I can tell, she wants to, and that like, she'd been training, you know, and trying to like get to a place where she can compete. But she has a, a mental, a, like a clear mental block on some of the skills. That just means she loses herself in the air and it's extremely dangerous. And for that reason, she just cannot compete. Like it's just, there's no, you know, there's been, it's been unanimous from like gymnasts that she just can't. And, and so without it being like potentially hazardous to her health. And, you know, and, and from that, like in, in the past, like with gymnastics, how it was, you know, for example, US gymnastics when it was with, um, these former coordinators called Marta, Marta, well, called Marta Caroli, you know, yeah. I'm sure like if if it was still in that period, it would, you know, they would be trying to get her out on on, on the floor at all costs because she's Simone Bowers and she wins. But, you know, that she was able to, you know, initially everyone, was, people around her were like, they were like, oh, you're, you'll be fine. You know, that kind of reassuring thing. And she like put her foot down and said, no, I'm not going out yeah. there. And so I think that's kind of a really uplifting part of it. That's, well, that's, yeah, that's, 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 I think, a lot of where the parallel for me is the finding the voice and being able to stand up and say, no, I'm not doing this thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and the stakes are far higher for a gymnast in a situation. The I, amount I of peril Olympics, she's yeah. putting herself... Well, I mean, Olympics, too, but I'm just saying, okay, like, yeah. if you're not feeling right, pushing onwards, I mean, you know, you could end up a paraplegic exactly, in yeah. gymnastics with one bad vault. And God knows yeah. we saw that one vault uh, together in <laughs> my apartment. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. Tumani, <laughs> brief sidebar. Tumani came over, was at my apartment for the 2016 Olympics. We, we were like, oh, let's watch the Olympics. Let's turn it on. We turn on the stream, the thing, load it. And literally the first thing we see, like 10 seconds into the thing on our screen, is this French gymnast uh, going and doing a vault and completely breaking his leg in all sorts of crazy directions. Yeah. And, like compound and, and, fracture. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and we we're just like, but we hadn't really calibrated. So we were like looking at like what, and then it was like, oh my god. Anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> he was at the opening ceremony doing backflips. Yeah. So good for him. He's he's, he's in, a, in in a final today, so it's, it's been a nice. Oh, what event is he in? Second one. He's in rings, so oh, there, nice. there there will be no like gruesome injuries that well touch with, but it shouldn't. It normally yeah. isn't. So good for him. Good for yeah. him indeed. But yeah, so I gotta say, I found the this is gonna. I don't want this to sound stupid and i hope it doesn't i found the conversation around biles and osaka that was were glowing together like really downbeat you know it was just like about it was about people who we usually see as being pillars of strength and inspirations or whatever like admitting their humanity and their weakness in a way that i think is both empowering and also sort of like wow like they're sort of they're just as human in this way that's both relatable but also sort of like i don't know i don't know if it's deflating is the right word i, I forget it, it's just weird to see because the conversation on biles especially you know who literally has 
little goat stenciled in you know bedazzlings on her leotards seeing her sort of uh shaken like this i think was was pretty remarkable and i i don't know totally where i'm going with that but i just i just i thought it was a bummer i thought all of it was just like sad i mean yeah i do think like i i i, I get i think i get your point that like yeah i mean yes it's empowering that they've been i mean yeah i'd say like it's what has been lost is that this is a heartbreaking moment for Bowers, I think, because again, oh, I think yeah. she, because she, she, I think she genuinely, you know, so I think some people thought that maybe she was like she just didn't want to compete, or, but she, I think she genuinely wants wants and wanted to compete, and she'd been building up for this, and this is the freaking Olympics in gymnastics, and now she has to sit on the sideline and cheer her, you know, she's uh, <laughs> in the arena, to, she's been like cheering, basically her teammates, but also all the gymnasts she clearly liked. So like she was cheering in the vault final yesterday, Brazilian Rebecca Andrade, Andrade, I think her name. She won the um the vault, and she Bowles was cheering as loud for the Brazilian gymnast and also Russian gymnast as well as her teammates, which is just funny to hear. Like kind of surreal, kind of crazy to see like that from the dominant athlete of the generation. But it's also just heartbreaking that she couldn't be out there and. It's yeah. So her it, best is it, so much better than everybody else's. Yeah, and also just like she, you know, she she earned the place to be there, and so yeah, it's definitely is empowering that she was able to step back and say no. But it's also just sad for her, and I'm sure she's you know even when she's congratulating people and you know calling the all around champion Sunisa Lee the queen as she did, which is funny because everyone calls her that. Like it's I'm I'm sure it's like. It's just sad that she wasn't able yeah. to do it, you know? How much of this, to, to bring it back to Osaka a little bit, and even I can loop into Serena here, like, how much is it just tough, do you think, for these athletes when the conversation, the language used around them is so, I don't want to say hyperbolic, but so enthusiastic and so, like, declarative of how amazing and, you know, flawless and perfect queen to use that word you just used queen goddesses you know they are um i feel like it sets them up in some ways for crashes you know i feel like i feel like it's unfair to freight them with this sort of language you know and 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 certainly they all in their own ways have embraced it at times all three of them certainly i mean serena very i mean like i said i mentioned the the goat uh uh, bedazzling on on Biles and the way she talked about that, and certainly Serena, you know, going out there at the French Open with with uh, that black and white outfit she lost to Canada, and it says like goddess written on it, and all these other <laughs> words. They're just like it's like what is going on here? Like that's one that was one of my reactions. Like this way we're building people up uh, feels uh, potentially perilous. Yeah, and particularly when like I mean to kind of par- semi quote. Rafa Nadal, everyone has doubts, and so yeah. when Dubitz, when you have Dubitz, as he'd say, yeah, <laughs> so, so, so when when you have like all, all these people around you saying how good you are, I think that just makes you feel even more pressure to live up to those standards that people set. And I agree, like agreed with Serena that she has throughout her career tried to own it, and partly that's definitely her personality, but partly that's because what else, you know, what else can you do? kind of thing whereas you know I think that and I, I do think this period of Serena's career has been instructive just to show that like all that she has achieved has been that is hard that is not as easy oh, as God, yeah. 
people are making it seem, you know, it's taken so much. And uh, same with Bowers, like I, I do think with the, the goat thing, and, and always like initially, I kind of always thought that was that she was kind of trying to just own it. But the pressure, like, especially, you know, this has been this Olympic, like coming into this Olympics with Bowers, it's just been crazy. Like people were saying, oh, she's going to win six gold medals. Which is literally, which was literally never on the cards. She made, she, she made two, win bars, yeah. Exactly, she made, she made like uh, four event finals, but bars like it would, it. She actually could have won a medal. Like looking at the the bars final was yesterday, and it was kind of a mess. But in terms of like, it would ta- would have taken like everyone falling basically. So yeah, it was, so yeah, just crazy like not unrealistic amounts of expectations and people like a lot of people mean well for sure yeah but certainly it just comes up like it, it just impacts and, and bows is like the issue of bows is, is more than just pressure like it's there's so much there of course with the the larry nasa scandal oh, yeah. and how yeah. she, she, has, she has to represent the u.s u.s gymnastics which failed her basically you know which mm-hmm. failed her and which she's said many times like she felt the burden of uh compete you know part of her motivation was to compete so that they wouldn't shove anything kind of under the rug you know she's the last of of the the gymnasts who who were abused she's the last active gymnast and so that's just a hell of a lot of like extra weight and kind of on her and you know i I do i don't like um you know i I should say like i don't want to even whether it's about the pressure or or this i don't want to speculate on exactly what the issue is because I actually don't think she fully knows. Yeah. But clearly, like, there's just been so much going on, and like, yeah, in in many different avenues, and it's just tough. Like, it's just difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. I mentioned Osaka. Osaka was sort of the protagonist of the women's tennis tournament and the tennis tournament overall, and arguably the Olympics. Like I said, you know, rare to be a, a cauldron lighter who's an active Olympian competing in that olympics it's pretty rare obviously kathy freeman did it very famously in 2000 in sydney a lot of parallels there i think but kathy freeman I think, is also older i believe than osaka was uh this time around so being this young athlete freighted with this um she goes out third round ash barty wimbledon champion goes out first round um this was a tournament that really i gotta say i was looking at the results every morning being like i don't know where this tournament's going like i i even honestly with the final we got even more than the French Open final, which was a recent other tournament that felt sort of like surpriseful and potentially chaotic to use that word. Some people would, would use like we had four first time semifinalists uh, at the French Open first time grand Slam semifinalists there. Um, I got to say, I have a hard time building a narrative around the results of this women's tennis event, the singles, women's singles. Like I, I look at Benchich winning and yeah, she's number nine. But that ranking is very propped up by 2019 results, um, which are still on her ranking nearly two years later, making a semifinal of the U.S. Open and then semifinals of Shenzhen. Um, Gosh, when was the last time the tour was in Shenzhen? So, (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, so it just feels like she feels like, honestly, more unexpected, a random, maybe an unfair word, but a more unexpected winner than I feel like she looks like on paper. Because I feel like she, people know her, but I really feel that came out pretty much nowhere i mean she had made a final in berlin okay but still like i don't know what the i don't know what the narrative is with benchich i really don't know and then you have von drosheva making silver medal um her actually i can see a little bit more i mean like she made this ahead of schedule french open final uh in 2019 played really poorly in that final 
have been carrying on to the points for a long time uh, because of the rankings freeze and stuff. And I, I was talking in Paris about feeling liberate, or like waiting for these points to drop because she felt like they were sort of a burden on her and weighing her down. So she finally gets it back and gets onto the Olympics team with some sort of weird protected ranking shenanigans ahead of Mukova um, and plays well and beats Osaka and stuff. So I actually find myself latching onto the Madrosheva story more as a narrative. Um, and then you have like Svitolina and Rabakina in the semifinals, uh, Svitolina getting, getting bronze. I don't know. I, I got to say, like, I, you know, obviously congrats to, to Belinda. She is someone who's been hanging around and is of whom great things were expected for a very long time in the sport. Um, so nice to see her on a sort of personal level for her. Get it. Um, she has a little bit of, you know, resume and, you know, playing well in hardcore events before. It's not like it's a complete, it's a less of a surprise than certainly how Monica Puig was, but also didn't feel like the same kind of triumphant run or magical run either just somewhere this weird in-between space for me and i don't know i found, I found myself kind of struggling with this result in terms of making sense of it i'm curious yeah, what you no, think about benchich i definitely i definitely agree with you that you know with, with i mean von have beat osaka she beat svitolina she was she was playing like in both in straight sets and quite yeah. convincingly so she was playing like clearly you know top quality tennis whereas you know with benchich you know, she, I mean, she beat Kreshikova in, in three sets. She had some, she had good wins, but I definitely agree that kind of, it was a, a lot more of a kind of grindy, sneaky win. She, she, her final like four matches were tight three sets and she just like, you know, she was a mentally strong player at the end each time. And, but, and so I, yeah, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm not sure what to do with it because it could, you know, for her, this could be, there was no indication that this was going to happen beforehand. Yeah. This could be a moment that actually does kind of light her fire and just sends her onto better things. Or, or I mean, we were saying that with you again, not a direct comparison, but you know, it didn't do, it didn't change much for Puig in terms of her day-to-day results. You know, I mean, she was actually she was actually doing better. Like I remember, she was like, well, Puig felt it's been a long time. Puig felt weighed down by the pressure of winning exactly, the Olympics yeah. and having that title and. She had a top. I mean, obviously, it's still, I'm sure she wouldn't trade it. I would hope she wouldn't trade it because it was such a career-defining moment for her being the first gold medalist ever from Puerto Rico and everything. But she found it very hard to cope with. Where I would hope yeah. that Bench has been in the spotlight more to where she can use it as a springboard. Yeah. You know, I think the positive example of that is like Andy Murray. You know, Andy yeah, Murray yeah. winning winning Olympics and getting his first slam after that. And Benchich has the skills. Yeah, but you're. Yeah, I just didn't. I don't know. The, the sort of style points weren't really there yeah, in this yeah. one for me, and so I have a tough time. Yeah. yeah, tough time, yeah, tough yeah. time understanding it, making it make sense in my head. Yeah, as I said, I, like in, in the final as well, I, I thought from Drusova had kind of the match. It was on her racket. She yeah. like looked. Her like, eyes were higher. Yeah, exactly, and it looked like in the second set she'd kind of taken control, and but like in in the midst of all of that, there were just play periods of plays where she just went off completely for long periods. So I think she kind of did. That was a a, a big match that she really could have taken and. And didn't and, and just to go back actually you, you mentioned Osaka I'm, I'm curious like because I was speaking with with our, another friend of the podcast Aki Aki mm-hmm. oh, um, was she there? Uh, no she, she called me I'm, I'm gonna try and like meet up with her she's Japanese the, the number one Japanese tennis journalist absolutely <laughs> um, and so yeah I, I was talk- she, so I was talking with her and I was just wondering curious what you what it felt, what it actually felt like to see Osaka like the center of the sporting universe for a second there, where, where she was like lighting the cauldron, given like that, you know, just given that we've yeah. seen her since she was this kind of quiet kid, you know. 
it's weird. And I think there's just like this. And I think it's something that Naomi's wrestling with too. And I, I think Naomi's fascinating. And um, I've actually not seen, you've seen the, the Netflix documentary. I actually have not, you alluded to it. Yeah. I actually have, actually have not seen it. I'm curious, maybe offline to get your thoughts on it. Um, or maybe even here if you want to talk about it briefly. But I still like see them as two. I have a tough time completely marrying in my mind. The Naomi Osaka I first met, who was this like super shy, like sarcastic inner child of the internet, as she said, um, you know, Pokemon fan and who make like inside jokes and was into memes and whatever else and was really, really shy and introverted with this sort of like superhuman, you know, in that Serena Biles conversation type person uh, who's a symbol for everything. And, you know, is this huge global figure and lighting the torch and stuff like that. Like, I know they're one person. But, like, my experience with one of them was so just it's such an unlikely sort of Clark Kent Superman kind of type thing where I have and I don't know who Wonder Woman, but one was Wonder Woman's real name. Mm, Not sure. But, you know, it's sort of like that where, yeah, it's just like it's a different sort of thing. And And I do feel like within her, there's some push pull there and some sort of I don't know that she's totally figured that out. I think it's impossible to I think it's possible for almost anybody to be that famous and that, yeah. you know, that looked at and that, um, yeah, that sort of to be, have all these things that you're supposed to represent and to do, you start to do easily. And I think she, and I don't think she's always fair to herself uh, in the sort of expectations she puts on herself too. And so, yeah, yeah to- put all those things together. I think that it's, uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I still, I think she's fascinating and, and also just like, so many contradictions. Yeah. Well, one thing about the fairness spo- on on the documentary. Spoiler alert! If you're okay. Oh, I saw this scene where she's talking to her mom. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. That's the one but that I, Courtney that tweeted and said this was like the one that stuck with her. Yeah. That's so, that so, scene. so, so when she was like, she was having some like, I think it was like a twenty second birthday celebration with her like teammates and her team and just people, you know, the people around her. And like corporate, uh, I actually, I can't remember who exactly was there, but she'd like, she's when she was like a quiet moment with her mom, she asked her, like, Do you think I'm late? As in, like, at 20, at 22, do you think I've like achieved all that I sh- should have? Like, that kind of thing. And obviously, like, you, you from the outside, that's just kind of insane, <laughs> such a, an insane thing to ask when you're, you've been world number one and won Grand Slams and you know, you're the best tennis player of your, gen- you're the most kind of accomplished tennis player of your generation, essentially. Well, you know, more or less, or, or, or yeah, in terms of slams, at least. Um, and so, yeah, uh, <laughs> but that's kind of the doubt that's in, in her head. And then, I mean, to go back to the earlier conversation, and then you you hear the way everyone is putting, builds you up and constantly talking about all the things you can do. And, and I'm sure that's kind of, a lot and overwhelming and just another aside as well like so, so like a couple of days ago maybe yesterday actually Osaka went on on Instagram live it was just for like two seconds for just like a couple minutes just to show With her dog uh, yeah to show her dog and within exactly. like yeah exactly and within like two minutes it got on like what I don't know if it was like 20 30 thousand viewers and she was like oh my god can't believe there's so many people on here and, and like obviously duh you're you but like how you know, it's that's a tough thing to actually fully as a person. I can I mean I can only imagine that's really a tough thing to fully like 
digest that anything you do, even if it's just a, a dumb Instagram live of your dog, just gets so much attention and so many eyes. So, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just tough. No, I, I really do think like she and, and Biles and Serena are an interesting sort of threesome and of, of, of being the same sort of world and having to process it in different ways. And, and her personality, yeah, like I, it just can't be easy for her. Um, and obviously there's a lot of attention also, at least from the media side, about how she'd be in, in press in Tokyo. And from what I heard, it was short and kind of unremarkable. Not bad. I, I saw her um, do an encore interview with the US TV after I think her second win over who should be second Golubich yeah. uh, in the second round. And she was like, fine. They kept it short, but like she was still seemed kind of like open and wasn't too canned or anything. And yeah. so I'm hoping she'll be, I'm, I'm hoping that can become a non-issue going forward. Yeah. We'll see when she plays. I also heard she said something. Um, I'm not sure how to take this. And this is sort of second or third hand. Someone said the way she was talking about tennis after her loss um, made it seem like New York was not a surefire thing that she would play. I don't know if that's right or not. But I, I, I don't know about that. It's just a, so her, her, her loss, the press conference after her loss, that was like a tiny bit of chaos because, you know, there's, you, I mean, you know, mixed zones, like it's, yeah. right outside of, it's right outside the stadium. Players are kind of, they tend to, like, they're supposed to like walk through it and then speak to the media. She, she went outside of like a, a side door and, um, pe- you know, the people around, you know, the word from like the you know the 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 people around us was that she was just she was not coming in and that they're going to try and get like flash quotes <laughs> from her that she'd just gone or something hmm. and and so, so yeah everyone went away and then like you know everyone left the mix zone and then like 20 minutes later well people are people have gone on to do other things some have probably left and then there's just like then one of the you know the press I have to say press officers I don't, were like came into the press and was just like she's here right now and so like then only a small fraction of people who were like heard that like there was only a, a, a small number of people there when she actually came in and yeah and then she spoke and you know she was fine and and and, and Japanese media reported afterwards so like she like there'd been discussions from the Japanese Tennis Association who kind of had to speak to her and, and ask her to come back. Um, but with, but within that, so, so she, but when she did speak, you know, she she spoke, right? And, and the the question that you're talking about is, um, so so she was asked just like what what is she doing next kind of thing, that kind of question, and she was like, I don't know, I, I'm always the type of person that like kind of. I don't know what her specific, specific word was, but just like free, freestyle things kind of goes off the cuff. And I don't know if that sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing, but that means I don't know. But I mean, I, I wouldn't think that she may have said something in a different interview, but either way, like, I mean, again, as we mentioned with Djokovic, like I tend not to pay attention to like what things that players say, like about their schedule right in the heat of battle when yeah. like yeah. you just lost like a one of the most gutting match of the year and you know suddenly someone's asking you about the next tournament which you just have probably have not thought about once you know and so yeah i i i would be you know i mean maybe you know if she the thing is like if she isn't feeling good and if she still doesn't feel like it then sure i could see her not playing the us open but i also would imagine that she kind of might want to kind of ease back into playing again and you know there's nothing is going to be as kind of just just 
I mean, just from, again, from the outside, it just seemed so much, it seemed so much that, you know, coming back at Tokyo that I, I don't think the US Open would be quite like that. So. Nothing in her life will ever be as high stakes as yeah. the Tokyo Olympics River. I agree with that completely. Uh, yeah, so hopefully she's back and, and she'll like her chances on a hard court slam. I mean, she's won four of them, so I think it should be a relatively comfortable spot for her. Maybe she'll play Cincinnati or something first. We'll see uh, how her schedule works out. Uh, one last thing and then sort of final thoughts. I'm curious just what you make of, just as a very inside baseball media question, what you make of mixed zones. Um, obviously, in the Olympics, <laughs> big react, big facial reaction for, for people who are listening on the audio. Uh, what, how do you like the mix on format? Tennis has at times tried to implement it at regular tournaments and has met with a lot of resistance from traditional tennis media at tour events. Um, what do you make of it? Um, I will also note, I think Ash Barty, I heard, skipped, the, did not go to the mix on after her singles loss. I, I wasn't, I wasn't there. So I heard that. I'm not, not sure. I, I, I'm not 100% concerned, but I did hear that. Um, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, what do you make of mixed zones being in them in lots of different sports? How do they work for you as a as a reporter? Um, I hate them. I hate. I mean, it's just actually from like both the media and the player perspective. Like again, the, the, just the funny thing, like talking about press conferences, is that I do think that you know, although it can it can be good to just hear like particularly like when a player wins, like their delirious thoughts when they come off immediately come off the court and they're still just like buzzing. Also, I think that like there is value to them to like just collecting them, like unless they just really want to get over and done with. Like, you know, like if someone like Federer, normally, aside from like this year in Halle, normally just comes like walks from the court without breaking his stride to the press room. If I, like if you want to do that, fine. But I do think there's value in players like being able to just like take a take a beat and, you know, have a have a shower. I don't know, just, just come in feeling a bit more composed. And these mixed zones are literally just like, aside from, for like, you know, for the top players in particular, it's like two questions, three questions and then done. So like, you know, Djokovic got asked, you know, after his, like one of the most crushing 24 hours, um, you know, that he's had in his career in a long time, Djokovic was asked one question about like, how he thought about the match, and then someone jumped in with a question about him smashing his racket, and then that was it. Didn't even get to ask him about how, like, physically how he was, or you know. And he explained in Serbian that he said he was injured and playing with, you know, you know, medication and all of that stuff, which kind of, you know, something you probably want to know, but because yeah. it's so brief, like, you just don't get any of that. So I definitely, you know, I mean, again, as we've discussed, like, none of the None of the, like, as the current setup anywhere is not ideal. But I definitely think there's more value in, like, the player being able to take a, a beat and then they'll be more, you know, given that they're more relaxed and that they've had a second to process it, which even just a second, it's still not a long time, that yeah. they tend to be more, like, willing to, that they're more willing to speak for longer. Um, yeah, I yeah. feel like it's almost something like mixed up, maybe makes more sense for, for TV. Like you really want like, the raw emotion of like the athlete like losing their minds positively or negatively after a result comes in that sort of defines their life's work. Yeah. You know, like if you want that, like yeah, and get the camera rolling as that happens. You know, sure, maybe it's good for that, but for yeah, for more thoughtful things like Djokovic reflects on what was was going wrong. You know, after a surprise defeat uh, to end year long bid for things, and he's obviously a chatty guy uh, or long winded yeah. guy. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah but... It's not doesn't serve completeness well there yeah um oh, yeah. 
And, and other, any other things you're looking forward to the rest of the Olympics in the uh, rest of the remaining events? Uh, I'm curious just what you're looking forward to the rest of your week in Tokyo. I mean, the main thing I'm looking forward to is, is not or like, so what, what I haven't mentioned is like the logistics. So when I got here, I was in quarantine for like three, so like basically three and a half days. This isn't for all journalists. I mean, Britain, we're just like the Delta variant is is running everywhere. So like we're, we're in quarantine for um, three days in just in the hotel room. Um, I mean, I thought I just literally wouldn't be able to leave the hotel room, but we could like go for like, there's like a 7-Eleven inside the hotel, so we could go, go to there at least. But so yeah, so after that, then I, I finally got out and we have like the remain, remaining for like two weeks from when you get there, you can only go from the hotel room to the venue and back again. Like even, you know, the only, the only time I've been outside of, you know, on, on buses, the only time I've been outside of that is just to walk from like tennis to gymnastics. So six minutes it takes, that six minute route. Um, and yeah, so that, so I am looking forward to when my, when my two weeks is up and I can actually, won't see much, but like be able to walk around the streets and at least like see the place I'm in. Cause it's this weird feeling of just like, yeah. I've been in this, been in, in Japan for, you know, since for like 10 days, 10, 11 days and haven't really seen, well, more than that probably. Um, and I haven't really seen much at all because, well, I haven't seen anything because, you know. That was, that was very much my experience in, in Sochi. Like, I don't, I I have been to Russia from being in the Olympics. I don't really feel like I've been to Russia that well. You yeah. know, like it's sort of, you're in this own sort of imaginary extracted world. Like the food, you can have some of the food if you go to restaurants and stuff like that. You can a little yeah. experience, but like, um, yeah, sort of being in the culture and being in the cities. And I was in Sochi was not really near um, downtown Sochi at all. Um, yeah. of, it was in Adler, which was a suburb near Lucasia. Yeah. But anyway, um, literally, the, the only like reminder that I'm in a foreign country is is, is bowing to a lot of people. That's all. Oh. That sounds nice. I mean, you're a good. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. I'm in. Yeah, I'm enjoying bow. Yeah, but that's the only like reminder that we're not in England. Aside from that, like I could be anywhere. Well, we bow to you for your expertise on this episode, taking time out of your busy Olympic schedule to come on NCR. Thank you, Tumani, for that. Any anything you've written? Uh, lastly, that you particularly want to plug uh, any Olympics pieces you're particularly proud of or anything to share with people? Uh, not tennis pieces, to be honest. No, yeah, don't have to be tennis. No, no, no. Anything. Just the story uh, you most liked. I don't know. I, I, like, I, I last wrote, I, 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 I mean, I'll just say the last thing I wrote about, which was Rebecca and Andrade, who I mentioned yeah. before. She's just like, I don't know, to me, she's been the gymnast of the games. She tore her ACL three times like was like widely considered like the second most talented after files but just had never been able to well for obvious reasons was never able to do anything and this has kind of been even though she didn't manage to win the all around which she really could have with her just a like fractionally better floor routine not going out of bounds twice like this is to me this has been like her games in terms of gymnastics and you know it's cool also that she's from Brazil and, and a, a black Brazilian gymnast, which isn't, you know, which like one of the older gym, the older like Brazilian gymnastics pioneer was kind of like in tears over that in Brazilian TV a few days ago. And it's, I don't know, it's just a really kind of nice story to see her kind of just, you know, I don't know, just thrive when, when everyone like was hoping that that would happen at some point. 
I, I, yeah, I also enjoyed, again, like I mentioned the BMX thing and that I wrote a piece, I wrote just on that, that was just really nice to see like two people who, uh, you know, the, the, Brit the British BMX people who went, uh, riders who went, won gold and silver, one of them had to crowd had to crowdfund her training for a long time. Another comes from, again, South London and a place where, you know, often Olympic silver medalists don't, don't come from, but, you know, they're both just like cheering each other on yeah. and sharing in their victories. So, yeah, it's been cool. And I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm looking forward to seeing just more, diff you know, after gymnastics is finished in a couple of days, just seeing other sports and, you know, just, I don't know, just in, it's only a still like, I've got six days left. So yeah, it, it would be cool to just, to just bounce around different places and, and see what else there is to write about. Very cool. Well, th we thank you very much, Timani. We also thank all of our wonderful Patreon backers. I'm going to thank real quick here before I let you go, uh, who support the show on our Patreon, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. They are Susanna W., Sean Mulroy, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Jean Simeon, James Hindle, Antonio Maycumber, Anna Valinder, Timothy Liu, and Ashley Keel, and our GOAT backers, who maybe all have their own GOAT bedazzled leotards as well at this point, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and J.O.D., hope you have a good trip uh home tomorrow. are you coming to the u.s still yeah um if, if they let me in yes i've still got to do like my like you know they're just my visa and stuff but that's that's the hope is that i will be able to come. we'll hopefully see you real soon over here enjoy the rest of your trip sayonara and have a lovely rest of your olympics thank you and i got to <laughs>